Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Rich Allen and Jeremy Smith. The finish line is quickly coming upon us, and with just two more games left in the Liga season, who's got the legs for a sprint finish? Who's running out of time? All of that and more after the latest headlines. Amiens' incredible season had an exclamation point on Friday night as they held champions Paris Saint-Germain to a 2-2 draw at the Stade de la Lincoln. Edison Cavani and Christopher Nkunku twice gave PSG the lead, but on both occasions, Musa Konate was there to pull the surprise team of the season back in it. Saturday was thankfully quiet on the footballing front as Liga played their respects to the 26th anniversary of the Furiani disaster with everything moved to Sunday. In the early match, Bordeaux made it four wins in five after they came from behind to be in form Saint-Étienne, hurting their Europa League hopes in the process as Lyon made it seven wins in a row as a 3-0 victory with Bertrand Traore grabbing a double put Trois even more in danger of the drop. Elsewhere, a Moussa Silla double helped Monaco beat 10-man Conte in the Champions League places. Dijon continued their terrific home form this season with a 3-1 win over Gangomp, and Nantes continued to sink as they lost 2-0 at home to Montpellier. Excuse me. Uh, Mets confirmed their relegation to Ligue 2 as well with a 2-1 defeat against Angers, while Rennes moved up to fifth after a 2-1 victory over Strasbourg, placing the Alsace side just three points above the automatic relegation place. In the big game on Sunday, Lille dramatically came from behind to win 3-2 against fellow strugglers to lose. Yves Basuma and Nicolas Pepe scored in the final 10 minutes to lift Christophe de Galtier's side out of the drop zone, condemning Le Violet to the relegation playoff spot. Sunday concluded with Marseille coming from behind to beat Nice 2-1. Dimitri Payet assisted the first and scored the second as Loem remained just a point outside of those Champions League places. In Ligue 2, Nîmes confirmed their promotion to Ligue 1 with a 4-0 win over Gazalek Ajaxio combined with a C Ajaxio's draw with Auxerre means that they will be in the top flight for the first time in almost a quarter of a century. And that's all for now. But for remember, for all your latest news in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with another seismic shift at the bottom of league, and, and that came in that game between Lille, who were then 19th, and Toulouse in 15th. That's all changed now, really, with Toulouse dropping into that extra, um, well, the relegation playoff zone into 18th, and Lille lifting themselves all the way to the mighty heights of 16th, which they've not been in quite some time, really, Rich. I mean, it was a long while waiting for that victory that they had last week or back from January, almost three months it took them to get the victory. They finally got it against Mets. And in a way, this game against Toulouse, they were behind. They've scored two in the last couple of minutes. It was almost gift-wrapped for them in a way. Um, uh, but it's an absolutely enormous win that uh, might just have saved their season. Uh, it, it was. Um, it was obviously such a big game um, that, I, you know, I, I think I said on previous show that I felt that the, the 
the, the loser of this game is probably condemned to relegation. Um, to be honest, I didn't wholly expect Lille to come out of this with the win. Um, I think one thing to put in Lille's favour is that over the last few weeks, um, it's been clear that they've been focusing their efforts on the games that they really do see winning. Um, you know, we have seen an improved performance. The results may not have matched it, but the the uh, the levels of, of, of their performance have really, I thought, improved over recent weeks. The, they wrote off the game against Marseille, and it's no, you know, it's no great surprise that they did that to, to put all their efforts into, um, you know, this run of real crucial games coming up. Um, I mean, they did it, you know, they didn't do it easily, but, you know, if one thing we've learned from Lille this season is they don't do things easily they um they had to come from behind and it, it, it does show you know a good piece of uh, a good bit of mental resolve um you know i think a lot of the times we saw it with the game against gangom of late where it was Lille in the in the in the leading position the winning position late into the game when they conceded two in injury time um it's the you know it's the Lille players it's these younger young Lille players that that really stepped up um and uh, and it was Nicholas Pepe, I think, in particular over recent weeks, has really stepped up his game. I think he probably more than any had had been one of the more disappointing signings um, from their summer their, their summer spending spree. Um, had really really sort of failed to to live up to the the hype that he got when he was at Angers. Um, albeit he was playing out of position, I think a lot of times at Lille. But of late, I think we've seen. That player that that they, and the reason why the Leal splashed out so much money on him, um, he's been excellent of late. Um, they've had you know other youngsters have really stepped up. I thought Basuma played really well at the weekend. Obviously got that, that excellent uh, that excellent goal from the the free kick from twenty five yards or so. Um, so it was a real collective effort. I thought I think they have come together. There have been issues, you know, rumours of, of issues away from the pitch. Uh, and off the pitch, which won't have helped, but they have regrouped, um, and and ultimately, when it has mattered absolutely most, I mean, they as I say, they've left it late both in terms of this game and the season, but when it has really, really mattered, they've put in the performance and they've got the win, which I think will probably just about do it for them. Yeah, and I can remember mentioning a couple of weeks ago, Jeremy, that um, we were talking about that sort of discontent, the fact that players were supposedly um, going out to bars and clubs before games. They were missing meetings with uh, Christophe Galtier. But at the same time, and I'll happily quote you on this, that you thought that might be more of a motor motivator than a demotivator ahead of that Mets game. They ended up winning that and that momentum was carried on into this game. And yes, they might have been gifted a couple that, I mean, the Basumas is an excellent strike. I don't really blame Lafont for that one. But the, the third, um, Lafont tries to meet Pepe at, at sort of 20 yards out and that's not something you should be really doing as a goalkeeper. But focusing really on Neil, it, it, they've sort of galvanised over those sort of structures against them. You know, the fans obviously breaching the pitch uh, about a month ago as well at Montpellier. They've they've got fans back in the stadium now. They, they, the atmosphere seems a little bit better now. They're winning again. And maybe, just maybe, with the games they've got left against team like, especially like Dijon next weekend, a team that don't really have anything to play for and have been awful away from home, could really be a game that sees them safe, really. They, they're they three points above Trois now, at least for the automatic relegation place. So that's almost for Galte from where they were, almost job done. Yeah, I mean, I think um, Galte's style of management is is the type that you thought would 
be able to sort of galvanize the team in that way and maybe the surprise is that it's taken that this long to to sort of work out but i think probably the way things are going at Lille, they kind of had to hit rock bottom in order to sort of bounce back up and um as you said a, cu- a couple of things have gone their way as well but i think you know with um the, the pitch invasion and then yeah all those rumors about um, players not turning up for training or post-match uh, um, briefings or warm downs or whatever you want to call them um, all of that coming out at once I think you know that that pretty much is as bad as it can get and certainly you'd have thought that that would sort of have served as a, as a wake-up call and helped Galtier to to sort of prepare the next kind of pep talk or whatever, you know, have some pride in yourselves, have some pride in the club, you know, I don't know, you're all young players, you're ruining your careers, you know, ruining your reputations before they've even started. That arguably maybe made it made his job slightly easier. Um, and, but, but the way they've bounced back the last two or three matches has, has been excellent. I mean, from a slightly bitter point of view, I don't understand how they're still managing to get, 30,000 um, crowds when that pitch invasion was so bad that you know I think they should be playing in front of en- empty stadiums for King till kingdom come but that's purely because I'm bitter about the, the recent mess result but um, what they've done on the pitch and I, I always had a sneaky feeling they'd stay up but it was a very young team and um, there were so many things going against them that you wondered at what, what, what point they'd sort of be st- suffering from I don't want to say post-traumatic stress disorder, but it must have been very difficult to play under the conditions that they were playing in. So, you know, I'm really impressed with the character a lot of them have shown. And yeah, I've, I've, I wasn't a big fan of Pepe. I thought it was a really strange signing, certainly for the amount of money they paid for him. But certainly in, in recent weeks, he's he, he's really come good and, and looking a very good player. Yeah. It's, it's almost taken a, a, a couple of months for him to sort of find his feet as a central striker, hasn't it? I mean, Angie was probably more of a of a wide man, really, to be fair, although a lot of teams were looking to play him as a forward for the future. Uh, finally, it looks like he's he's maybe discovering that a little bit, just just in time, at least anyway, for Leo's point of view. And, and they've been they've been really good. Like you say, both have said that it this kind of thing could have sunk a really young team without much um, of a guiding hand, but maybe Galtier was exactly the right man to have um, and have this scenario to, to kick them into gear, but focusing on the team that, that did lose this game, because that's just as important really rich. And they had moments of dysfunction last week. We mentioned on the, on the preview show about um, Max Alangradel having his Rolex stolen in the, in the changing room and him believing it's possibly being a teammate that this, team have had a number of games this season where we've said this is a great chance for them to to pull away this is a great chance for them to pick up big points you think of back all the way to the start of the season you think of games that get they drew against Twire, they drew against uh, Mets in the first half of the season they they ended up losing at Lille in the the return fixture of that version they lost they had that nil nil draw against Amiens when they have a chance to go one the one all draw against Mets, the two-two draw against Strasbourg, um, the nil-nil draw a couple of weeks ago. In fact, against Caen, where we said after that two-nil win at Angers that points against Caen probably sees them safe. But now they're in real trouble. They've got Bordeaux next week as well, who, like we mentioned, have won four of their last five. They're not going quietly into the night under Gus Poyet and Gangomp have caused a lot of problems for teams. Although they obviously lost at the weekend, they've been pretty good for the last month or so. They are 
although their team's not necessarily playing for much, at the same time, they are not going to be living down for, for Levi-Ole to simply pick up the points and, and get out of this now. No, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think that the saving grace that Toulouse can take um, is their their final two games are not as tricky as, as a lot of other teams down the bottom. Yes, Bordeaux away won't be, won't be easy. I think Bordeaux have... Uh, left it too late, but they've picked up perhaps in the last couple of weeks. It was a, it was a good win at the weekend uh, at Saint Etienne, um, and then Gangon, You know they've they've secured exactly what they needed to do, which was another you know brilliant mid table finish for them, which is you know punching well above their weight still. Um, and that you know there's there's every chance that they will be pretty pretty switched off, which we saw at the weekend. Um, so I think when you look at when you look at other teams around Toulouse, um, you know there are there are plenty of other teams who have far more difficult run-ins. Although Twa are below them, Twa have a have a pretty nasty run-in. Carl have a pretty nasty run-in. But of course, the problem is is that those teams above them are above them on points. So Toulouse, it's not Toulouse can't just rely on those teams losing. Toulouse have to make up points somehow. Um, I mean, we, we've said this before when 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 we've had these big encounters at the bottom of the table that it's going to be so important to to for not only the, the team that win to take that positivity forward and build on it, it's going to also be equally as important to see how Toulouse near yet because now all of a sudden they're in a position where they now have to go out and get results. It perhaps wasn't that quite that case in the last few weeks because whilst they've been losing and whilst they've been dropping points, there has been the cushion of at least three teams below them who are doing similar. Now, all of a sudden, Toulouse are in that bottom three and they're the ones that are going to have to now do the chasing. Now, whether with two games left and it being Bordeaux and um, and Gangot, whether that's enough, uh, it, it remains to be seen. I think they can be confident that there will be other teams that they are chasing that won't pick up any more points this season. What I can't be so confident for for Toulouse is that this loss to Lille hasn't been so damaging that they in turn can't go out and, and get the get the points and, and the uh, the performances that they need in these final two games. Um, I mean, it'll be, you know, in a way, it'll be a shame to see them go down because they are, you know, they are a squad that are littered with some really, really exciting youngsters. On the flip side that team has been so poorly run, so poorly managed now for so many seasons. They have sort of underperformed to an incredible degree, season on season, no matter who's who's been in charge there, that maybe a relegation is what is needed or at least a, a playoff and the fear that that brings is enough to kick the squad, kick the team, kick the board into life because there's, there's no doubt about it with the the quality of young players that they're bringing through, many will probably, which we'll probably see leave this summer. There's no way Toulouse should be in, in the, the, the problems that they are facing. There's no way. That squad on paper is too talented. Sadly, things are going wrong on and off the pitch, which are, are having such a damaging effect that we are now seeing season after season Toulouse underperforming. And it may be then this season that they just leave it too late. Um, I'm not wholly sure they have the mental resolve to get over that loss to Lille at the weekend. So whilst I do think that there will be other teams that won't be picking up any other points, and and Khan is certainly one that I'd look at in, in, in that regard, 
Um, I, I personally, I don't see Toulouse picking up the points that they'll need either. And that's that's the thing about Toulouse this season, really, Jeremy. You look at their record and bits like that. Their defensive record hasn't been too bad for those around them, really. Out of those bottom five at the moment, it's comfortably the best. Um, it's only really one behind uh, Con and Angers, who are just a little bit further above them. But their, their goal-scoring record this season, they've scored 34 goals. There's only a couple of teams worse than that. That's Nantes, who've been terrible in front of goal. Uh, and Trois, who are pretty much resigning themselves possibly to automatic relegation now, unless they can really pull something out of the bag. But they've really been poor this season. In front of goal, they've been pretty dreadful. In midfield, they don't really have any creativity. In defence, they've had issues with, with Julian earlier in the season. And, and now that pressure that's coming from not having no midfield and no one scoring goals at the other end has really got to those. And even Alban Lafault at the weekend has made some big high-profile mistakes. And there's no big, inspiring Pascal Dupre um, inspirational speech to try and drag them out of this um, for the next couple of games. And they've got, well, not necessarily teams that aren't playing for much, really, but tough games that other teams, if they have the chance, can they catch up with them? I mean, they are only a point still behind Strasbourg and Lille. They're, they're starting to pull them into them, but um, it's a big ask for that this such sort to bounce back after such a such a damaging defeat. It is. I mean, I think I think it will give them quite a big sort of mental knock. But I, just because of their last home game, I'm not sure they'll take anything from Bordeaux, even though it's kind of a little bit of a, a derby. So you know, anything goes. I think that um, at home to Gagon, who are capable, we've seen before, of springing surprises anywhere, certainly at home, away, last match of the season, Toulouse, it makes you think of a couple of years ago without that big match that they won, I think it was 3-2 to, to survive. You can see that kind of thing happening. But at the same time, that you know, Two, two one up with 10 minutes to go at home to Lille, they should be closing that out. So, you know, if Gagon get an early goal or something like that, you can see Toulouse getting very shaky. And and frankly, in a sense, I think they, if they were to go down, they have got what's coming to them, sort of for all the reasons Rich said. You know, this is Toulouse. It's a big sporting city. It's a big city, reasonably so, um, full stop. They should be doing so much better and they should have been doing so much better for years. When we talk about all the talented youngsters they've they've got, it's been two, three, four years that we've been talking about them. And I'm not saying they're not kicking on, but um, something at the club is preventing the team as a whole from kicking on. And they should be doing better. And, you know, they've had two or three narrow escapes now. And I'm not sure that too many tears will be shed if if they were to go down. Because it, it just feels like, I don't know, I don't want to say a waste of a league-ass spot, but they feel like a bit of a waste of a club because they do have so much potential to do so much more. And there doesn't seem to be enough ambition within the club, really, to kick on. Um, in terms of personnel, if you're going to put the blame on people, um, as in playing personnel. I mean, you know, Graydell's got seven goals, okay. Um, four of them have been penalties. That's not particularly impressive. The big one is Delore. I mean, you know, if his talent was half as big as his ego, he'd have, you know, 20-odd goals this season. Um, from what I remember, he scored the, his first goal for 
a few months recently has did this sort of celebratory strut around the pitch and I don't think he scored since. Um and you know, he was meant to be some kind of talismanic striker when he arrived. Um and this season in particular he's done very, very little and you know we give a lot of stick or we've given a lot of stick over the years to, to Yaya Sanogo, but he's looked a hell of a lot more impressive. Um, at least he's, you know, in recent weeks been been putting away a few goals and trying to give his team a fighting chance. Um, Delors haven't seen any of that really all season. Um, and you need the players like that who on paper are supposed to be the big stars to kind of set a tone for the rest of the team who, you know, as talented as players like Diop and Anya and um, Lafont are, at some point they are going to need the, the older... Uh, more experienced players to, to to give them a bit of a lift to set an example for them, and I'm not sure that's been happening. And yeah, if, if they do go down, certainly those three I just mentioned, I, mean, I, I can't see any of them still being there next season. And Toulouse may well struggle to to go straight up because they'll probably need quite a big squad overhaul. Yeah, and that's going to be a tricky given the whether they can sell some of those players on. Really, I know Lafont has been there. Linked to playing two teams across Europe, and Nisa Diop was uh, linked to RB Leipzig back in the summer as well. So maybe they could build something from there, but it, it's going to be tough regardless. Just just to touch on the other two teams really that <coughs> had results go against them really in this uh, in this weekend, and starting with um, Strasbourg really um, rich because they obviously played your team Ren, and that victory helped them lift themselves into fifth in a, in a good spot for a Europa League place, but. It really helped condemn Strasbourg into being really within the dogfight now. They're only a point above Toulouse. They'll be pretty confident, thank God, that, or, or at least thankful that Trois also lost and we'll come on to them in a moment um, to keep them three points above the automatic relegation place. But uh, they have to be looking over their shoulders now. It's been an awful run for them, really. They very much like Lille earlier in the season, actually. In fact, they've not won since early February now. It's the 11th of February, that victory against Trois. Since then, um, they've managed just five draws, all the rest of them being defeats. It's been a torrid run. And then with Lyon to come, who've won seven in a row, and maybe they're slightly thankful that they have not on the final day, who are also in a terrible run of form. But um, going ahead in this one and then getting themselves pegged back, although maybe it was a little bit against the run of play to get into the lead at the first place, it, 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 they're certainly going to be looking behind them now and thinking that hopefully the result for Twy next weekend will go their way so then they can settle a little bit more for that and hope that they still face a Lecanary side on, on the final day that is still uh, on the beach. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're going to be pretty nervy. You know, they're going to look at, at um, Toulouse thinking... You know, they've not got a particularly tricky run in. We've got to play, you know, probably Ligan's most, most informed team. Certainly playing the best football at the moment in Lyon. Um, and then away at Nantes. Well, you don't quite know what's going to happen really at Nantes. I mean, first half of the season, you'd be thinking they're going to win. Second half, you think they're going to lose. Whether it turns out to be Ranieri's last match, whether or not that plays any part in, in proceedings or not, I think... Strasbourg will be hoping beyond hope that nothing is announced on Ranieri's future um, until until um, until after the game, because I think it, it's clear. I think that, that certainly, I think Nantes fans 
have taken well, as, as any team who has Ranieri as a coach, they take to him as a as a man, as a manager, as a you know a, a really really good guy around the around the team to 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 help players um, to grow and, and and blossom. So I think Strasbourg will be really hoping that nothing's announced on that because if it is announced that it does turn out to be Ranieri's last match, you know it may be that not just put that little bit of extra effort in. Um, but I mean, we've we've spoken around it countless times. They're not they they are unfamiliar with the feeling and and what it is to put in a winning performance. You know, you touched on it in in the lead in. Um, you know, it's been months since they've tasted victory. Um, that's not to say they've not been playing poorly. You know, they have had games where they have played pretty well, um, and pretty recently. You know, it was only a couple of weeks ago that they. They drew at home with with Nice, um, so it's it's that kind of performance they're going to have to recall on because they can't. You know, I don't think the memories are, are good enough to go back to the point at which, you know, oh that's the yeah that's the that's the attitude that's the feeling that we were in when we won the game. They it's too long ago. They can't they can't recall that. They're going to have to look back at that Nice performance if they actually you know what that was a really good performance. We didn't win, but we 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 held. Um, a, a top five contender at home, um, so it, it's going to be difficult because I don't. They, they, you know, chances are they're not going to be getting anything from Leon, which means it's going to be a, a very very nervy um, final day, especially especially if Toulouse do take something from their game against Bordeaux. Um, I mean, it's been coming. Um, this you know this poor run of form was only going to end up with them in in some serious trouble. Um, I think they were probably hoping that, that, you know, Lille weren't going to pick up pace as, as they have. And uh, maybe, you know, they'd have nicked a couple of wins here and there, you know, turned some of those draws into wins, but it's just not happened. And it's, it's going to be, it's almost too close to call. I think it is going to come down to that last game. And I do think it's going to probably come down between a dogfight between, uh, between Toulouse and Strasbourg, um, in theory, Toulouse have the the easier game at home to Gangon. Um, Strasbourg are capable, though, of going to Nantes and getting a win. Um, I think you probably have to give Toulouse the edge at the moment um, because you know they have they have picked up a few more points of late. Um, albeit, obviously, they lost that big game against Lille. So it's really, really too close to call, I think, on this. I think the you know, if you were to push yourself to, to to pick one to escape the bottom three, you might you might side with Toulouse. Um, but it wouldn't be at all surprising to see Strasbourg pull out that 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 performance right at the death. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And an aside that really throwing themselves into the mire over the last couple of months, really. And hopefully they can uh, maybe just about stay, stave off the uh, the relegation playoff if they can. But um, a side that probably is filling that other relegation place now and, and joining your team, uh, unfortunately, Jez, um, in Mets um, in league, there is probably going to be Trois now. They had that glimmer of hope um, against Con last weekend, but I, they must have been hoping that, that Trois, uh, Toulouse would get that win and, and help 
them out really by keeping Lille further down there and give them half a chance because they knew going to Lyon was going to be a, a tall task. And with two games to go, a game against Montpellier away, not the kind of game you want to be facing against a side that's terrific defensively and a, an excellent counter-attacking side and, and a Monaco team on the final day that might need still need a victory to uh, ensure Champions League football it looks like maybe um, even at this weekend, if they don't pick up the three points, uh, their journey is going to be over. Uh, it's likely. I mean, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I certainly wouldn't put any money on them, but I'd, I think I'd probably rather have their fix, their two remaining fixtures than, than Strasbourg's, for example. Um, I, you know, Strasbourg, I, th- I think will, will struggle even at home to Lyon. Um, they have had the beating of them before, but certainly on recent form, you'd have to put your money on Lyon. And then um, Nantes away, despite Nantes' bad form, it's not, it's not an easy place to go. And, you know, I think all teams for sort of their last home match of the season are really going to be going out all out for the win. Um, so I think Strasbourg, Strasbourg will, will struggle. Trois, yeah, at Montpellier is tough, but they haven't been on the most fantastic form recently. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, I think Mess put three past them, <laughs> so um, they are they are beatable even by the worst teams at times. Um, and then at home to Monaco last match, as you said, Monaco will almost certainly need a result, but their their form recently has been a little bit bizarre. And and twelve, though, you know, if you ignore the the Lyon match in recent weeks, okay, you know they put three past Carter win. Um, gave Saint-Etienne a a scare, scored two against Marseille. So it feels like there's something there. There's a bit of life there. Um, So in a a way, I think they're they're kind of... They would be better set than Strasbourg, I'd say, but at the moment you'd much rather have the points on the board and a couple of point advantage might be enough to keep Strasbourg ahead ahead of Trois. So... Yeah, you do worry for them, but I I wouldn't be surprised if they managed to get. Um, I'm not going to say how many points, but <laughs> a certain number of points from their last two matches. It, it's just that it may still not be enough. Yeah, I have a feeling that it feels like more likely the the inevitable. Unfortunately for Twad, they put up a nice fight in the last couple of games, but I, I think they needed to pick up at least something in those ones where they were ahead against. The, I'm, I'm thinking back to those games against uh, Saint-Étienne and Marseille just at sort of mid mid turn of April. Um, they need maybe something out of there to go their way to to push on because I, I just feel like those two games feel like they might be a, a hurdle too far. But we'll move on now to things further up in the field and that's in the Europa uh, well the Europa League places and the Champions League places but we'll we'll focus on those top two positions and possibly top three technically um, Rich because of the new permutations with Marseille being in the Europa League that would be if Marseille finish um, if Marseille win the Europa League, obviously they're guaranteed automatic spot into the Champions League. And if they finish fourth, then third place in Ligue 1 will also be in the Champions League, but will have to qualify. If Marseille do not win the Europa League, the third place spot will be an automatic group stage spot, which is absolutely fantastic news for, for Ligue 1. Basically, we either get an extra spot or we get three teams automatically in the draw, which is fantastic news for everyone, but also keeps those positions very competitive. There's only a point between the three of them, at least. Anyway, Lyon on 75, Monaco on 74, Marseille on 73. And at the moment, Rich, it, it seems to be back and forth. We, we obviously had Lyon 
go with a, a big win that we've already mentioned. It's twi they were fantastic again, scoring great goals. Bertrand Traore, I thought, was excellent as well. But Monaco, um, someone we've mentioned in the last couple of weeks, really struggled. Uh, but they still pulled the rabbit out of the hat when they needed to against the side that have been struggling, but gave them a real tough time of things. But Monaco still hanging in there. Maybe, just maybe, um, they might have enough games to just see them over the line. Uh, maybe. I mean, certainly you'd be you'd be questioning that rightly, I think, based on recent performances. Um it's not it's not the Monaco that we know um at all. Um it it's it's very it's quite curious, I think, to to see how it's changed so dramatically and how the performances have dropped off so so suddenly. Um yes, they got the win at the weekend, but it was a you know pretty much a, a last gasp affair. Um, I think the one thing that you do put in in Jardim's favour, especially for that that game at the weekend, was just how many te- you know, how many first teamers he had out through a combination of injury, through a combination of of suspension. Um, you know, it was a it was a real sort of mishmash of 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 sort of senior players and very very raw young players. Um, I mean, they had 18-year-old Musa Silla leading the line for his debut, and through some sheer, sheer bit of you know management and selection brilliance from Jardine on his debut, he pops up with a double. Um, they were both incredibly scrappy goals, but for an 18-year-old, he you know he identified to be in the right place at the right time. Um, you know the first he you know the ball sort of bounced. It was I think it was a Tielemans shot that 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 cannoned off the off the post, and hit Silla and went in. Well, ultimately he still had to be following that up. So you, you know you can't knock him on that. And the the second one, which was in injury time, was a was a reaction to a, um, a pretty poor clearance from Vercutra, um, and sort of just pounced on it with a first time finish. But you know it was a brilliant story. Um, you know, it's another youngster that, that Monaco have brought through, absolutely thrown in at the deep end, you know, 18-year-old, leading the line. You've got to go out. You've got to get a win because we need Champions League football next season. Um, you know, they finished with a, a you know a raft of, of other youngsters on the pitch. They had um, Pellegri came on. We, saw, we finally saw a bit of Jordi Mbula um, following his move from Barcelona last summer. So it gave us a glimpse as to the depth of young talent that Monaco have got. And, you know, maybe we're going to see that exciting Monaco again next season, you know, with, with the, you know, a couple of new additions over the summer. Um, but it also perhaps, you know, helped give a little bit of explanation as to why their form has perhaps dropped off, that they have had to face, you know, squad issues, which some of it is their own doing. Some of it isn't. Um, but it was a really scrappy win. It was a hugely, hugely important win um, because they then go into their final two games um, and they're tricky games. They've got Saint-Étienne at home. Saint-Étienne obviously chasing a Europa League spot. And then, as as, um, as Jez pointed out earlier, they're away at Troyes and uh, you know, final game of the season where Troyes may, may still have reason to, to scrap and fight for, you know, for a, a point or a win. So it's by no means done and dusted. Um, you know, if, if if we were looking at, at the, the last two games with Monaco in the form that they were in, you know, two or three months ago, you'd be thinking, yeah, that's probably is sewn up. They're in third place. They're not going to drop points to, to Saint-Étienne. They're not going to drop points to Troyes. It's, it's not as clear-cut as that anymore. 
you know, Saint-Étienne have proven what a terrific team they are um, since Gasset's permanent appointment. Um, that lengthy, that lengthy uh, unbeaten run only coming to the end, coming to an end at the weekend. Um, and, we, you know, we've seen, we've seen um, Monaco really fail to put in those performances against, to do them no disservice, the lesser teams. You know, losing away at Gangon, they could only draw nil-nil at home to Amiens. They got a 91st minute winner away at Caen. Who's to say that Twa couldn't get something from that last game? So it's 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 another you know it's 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 brilliant for the neutral because there's there's so much to play for across you know top and bottom. Um, so it's going to be a really exciting finish. But again, I I'd be hard pushed to make a case that of the four teams left, uh, sorry, the three teams fighting. Um, for those top three places, I'd be hard pushed to make an argument that Monaco will definitely be one of those to be in the top three. Yeah. And the interesting scenario, like we mentioned uh, briefly in that open Jez, is that for Marseille now, who, who did excellently the weekend, I thought they, they obviously went behind, but Dimitri Paye again, showing that he's, he's well in form at the moment and scoring and assisting uh, the goals for them. But they, have games against Gengomp and Amien to come up to mid-table sides that have nothing really to play for at the moment. But they have that interesting scenario. Like we say, they're only a point behind Monaco, two points behind Leon. Should either of those slip up, they'll want to be right there because obviously splitting between those two games, they have a massive Europa League final where if they win, terrific news, they're definitely in the Europa League. But if they want a safety net and they don't win that Europa League, then they could have a scenario where if they finish third, regardless of that result, They'll be in a um, Champions League group stage, which would be absolutely enormous for them. So it's it's a strange one for them to finish the season thinking that every single game still matters, even though they have a massive, massive cup game to come in in midweek next week. I think a lot just depends on on how they decide to play it, whether whether they sort of decide to put all their eggs in the in the um, Europa League basket. Um, you know, if if it comes down to the last match of the season, as 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 well as Amiens have played, and you know, again they they proved this weekend that they're how just how capable they are against the, the very top teams. If it comes down to the last match, you'd have to expect that Marseille would would win at home. But um, it's more about I think that that Gangon match that even though the the LFP have brought it forward so that they get an extra day's rest before the Europa League final, you have to think that Garcia will. You know, I'm not. I'm not convinced he's going to play his his you know his preferred starting eleven, um, and you know risk any injuries or anything like that against Gangon. And even though Gangon don't have anything to play for, they also, as you mentioned earlier, you know they've proven that they they can play against the top teams and they can have bad days, but on their good day they really are a force to be reckoned with. So. Um, yeah, that the, there's still sort of potential banana skins there for Marseille. Um, again, compared to to Monaco, I think I'd rather have Marseille's remaining two fixtures. But as you said, a, a lot of the fact that between those two fixtures is such a major final um, complicates things a bit because Garcia has to decide: you know, do I? Do I play my top team against Gagon because I need to have that third place as a safety net? And then even after the final, you know, if they win, are they going to be sort of, well, if they win, I assume they really couldn't care less too much against Amiens. But 
Um, you know, if they lose, if they lose, are they going to be sort of in the doldrums and struggle to lift themselves? Um, or will it be the other way around and they'll sort of be extra motivated? Um, so, I mean, it's on paper, it's two straightforward wins, but, um, I don't think it's going to be as straightforward as that. But in recent weeks, Marseille haven't had many straightforward matches. It's been impressive that, that they're still getting the results, but they've had very few very straightforward wins for quite a while now. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's a weird balancing act that they'll have to play out. I suppose the, the more interesting thing will be just to make sure you get some kind of result against Gangon, but at least you've got five days then before the, the Europa League final. And then after that game, just hope that you've got enough to, to put together against Amiens and make a bit of a challenge. But let's um, switch a little bit, at least, the focus to uh, those couple of places a little below them. And there's, there's a couple of sides still fighting in there. And I want to get some some ideas quickly, really. I'm only going to count the, the three that are still on 50 points, which is, uh, is Ren, uh, Saint-Étienne, and Nice currently occupying their spots. There's Bordeaux and Montpellier on 49, which may trouble things if they get certain results going their way. They're both facing relegation sides in the near future and next week especially, so they might maybe get involved if other teams don't start winning. But a, a delightful result for your team, Rich, Ren, to, to go back into um, fifth position with that victory over twice, especially with Saint-Étienne losing and Nice obviously dropping points as well. It gives them a two-point gap with two games remaining, really, for them. And um, an ideal scenario, really, isn't it? I mean, th- compared to where we thought at the start of the season, yes, they've got PSG to come, but Paris Saint-Germain have been a, not, not at their full-flowing best with, obviously, a a big cup game going tomorrow, which we'll talk about in a moment as well. So that would be in the b- back of their mind as well. Uh, and they're gaming. It's Montpellier to finish the season off. There's a really good chance now for, for Ren to get European football. There is, there is. And I, I, I try, I try to, I, I will view this as, as perhaps not the, the, the hardened Ren friend that I am and view this in a slightly more positive way in that as obvious as it sounds, they they are they are the ones in the position that they need to be in. Um, you know the others have have suffered. Um, you know losses. Um, I don't think Saint Etienne quite saw the the defeat at home to Bordeaux coming, especially after the run of form that that they've been in of late, which has been maybe Leon aside the the, the best in the league. Um, in all honesty, I think they've 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 played really really well since the turn of the year. Um. Yeah, it'll be. It's it. You know, they. So, I mean, looking at Ren, PSG game coming up. Um, I'm getting probably a little bit sick of playing PSG. If I'm perfectly honest, um, this will be the fourth time that they'd have played them, um, uh, this season, and it's been four pretty big hammering. Uh, sorry, three pretty big hammerings, already. Um, that, of course, was when PSG had things to play for. PSG don't have anything to play for now. Um, it is their final home game, whether that will count for something. They obviously can't now make it to 100 points, whether, again, that will that will play a part. Um, I think had they been on for that, they'd have probably been putting in a little bit more effort, maybe. Um, you know, it's Emery's final game in front of the PSG fans, whether that will play a part. Um, it may be one or two players' final games in front of the, peer, uh, the, the part of the France crowd. Maybe that will play a part as well. Um, you know, although the players perhaps don't, Ren as a club 
know what it takes to win at the Parc de Prince. They've done it a couple of times um, in the sort of Qatar era at, uh, at PSG. So I'd, it will probably end up a PSG win. And I think we're going to be in the position as we are probably going to be with the top three and at the bottom as well, in so much as it's going to come down to that final game of the season. Um, I think what works in Ren's favour is that although they're P- it's PSG away and then, then Montpellier at home, you look at the games that Saint-Étienne and you look at the games that Nice have got. And, and you know, if we're using the, the, the same theory that Jez is doing on, on which run-in would you rather have, you'd probably make the case that Rennes is probably the one that you would have. Um, uh, you know, although that does include PSG, it's a PSG who literally don't have anything really to play for. So I remain confident that certainly top six is doable, looking at what's left for the three teams. Um, but if I now return to my, my position as a Harden Ren fan, I also remain uh, worryingly pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think they maybe got through the the fire. But I mentioned on the on the preview show that we always think that Ren might Ren for something up, and we thought that the Strasbourg game might be one of them. But they got through that test, so maybe these next ones to come because. Like we mentioned perfectly there, that both the sides below them, Jez and Saint-Étienne and Nice, both lost at the weekend. So they lost a little bit of ground and, and helped Ren at least uh, think that they can at least get sixth place at this one. And, and Saint-Étienne, their running is Monaco, which is maybe easier than it was earlier this season, but still they're chasing Champions League football. And then finish the season against Lille, who might still need a victory. Nice have a game against Colm, which feels like a game that Colm will be targeting as um, something they could try and get something out of to ensure safety. And then they finish the season against Leon, who, again, maybe another team that still needs to have at least a victory to ensure a Champions League play. So given that they've got two, but both of them have games against teams that have something to fight for right up until the end of the season, um, it's going to be a tough task for both of them to, to go through. But who do you favour out of the two? Um, I think I, I favour Saint-Étienne just because they've got that that one-point um, advantage. Um, I think I expect Nice to win their last match. I mean, sorry, their, their next match, and I expect them to lose their last match. I think they'll win at home to Caen and they'll lose away to Lyon. Um, Saint-Étienne, I think, could get something from Monaco, and although I think it will be tough at home to Lille, I still would expect them to win that. So overall, I, I think, you know, worst case scenario, one win, one defeat each, that that would give it to Saint-Étienne. And, you know, taking the, the same thing, same reasoning with Rennes, um, same again, I would expect on paper, one win, one defeat. And, you know, especially with the, the two-point cushion they've got, um, I, cer- I certainly think that, you know, they'll certainly finish probably fifth but certainly top six and I think it could be Nice who miss out and I was going to say it kind of be serves them right because at times they can play such good football and other times I don't know what happens um, but you could say that about quite a few teams I mean Bordeaux you know started on a great run under Payet then were missing for weeks and then the last two or three weeks have sort of woken up but it feels like it's probably too late now yeah, and it's been an interesting one to see who can handle um, the Europe, the challenges of Europe uh, the best as well with the, the squad sizes and the extra players you might need in the summer. It'd be interesting to see who develops the nicest sort of 
back onto it. Moving on now to um, the important game we briefly touched on that's going to go ahead um, tomorrow night, and that's Paris Saint-Germain versus Les Herbiers in the Coupe de France final. It's going to be a big game, um, Rich, for both sides, really. Paris Saint-Germain to complete that domestic treble, which will sort of seal off their end of their season and, and cast Unai Emery off into the into the summer evening, I suppose, when it goes uh, at the end of May. And then a chance for a third-tier side to really cause what will be the upsets to be all upsets that might ever happen, ever. Um, because if they were to pull it off, it would be send shockwaves around the world, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah, it would be... I mean, it's ridiculous to even talk about it, if I'm perfectly honest, but it's it, it absolutely is... is it, you know, I think they're going to have the backing of pretty much every football fan, bar PSG fans. And to be perfectly honest... Knowing some PSG fans, I bet there's some PSG fans who are even thinking, actually, Les Herbiers winning wouldn't be too bad of a thing. <laughs> um, I mean, it would be. I mean, you know, we can look at every conceivable measurement between the two teams, and you know, there is not a there is probably not a single one that Les Herbiers can even come close to. Um, the one that that has always caught me, the one that's caught my eye. Um, so far this season, uh, so far this the, the lead into this final is is you're looking at salaries, um, and I think it's the the average salary of of, of a Lazerbier player um, is about two and a half thousand euros per month, which if you apply that to Neymar is about thirty six minutes of a month, um, <laughs> which I, I, I it just it just adds to the sort of staggering belief of it's almost like we've got to now redefine when people talk about David and Goliath. It's, 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 we've got a new measure for David and Goliath is how it feels. Um, because this, I mean, this should be an absolute, you know, as, as, as unromantic as this sounds, this should be an absolute humiliation. You know, there is no reason in all honesty, why this shouldn't be double figures as, as maybe over the top that sounds, there's no reason why this shouldn't be. You know, PSG have put eight past league own position this season. There is no reason why a team fighting for their lives, it's not even as though they're playing well in the third tier. And despite why this isn't doing Lazerbier no disservice at all, but they aren't, you know, they're playing really poorly in the third tier. You know, this this should be double figures. PSG should be winning this by. They really should. Um so <laughs> You've just got to just hope that Le Zerbier go there. I don't want to sound patronising to them, but you just have to hope that they go there, that the team have an amazing time, the fans have an amazing time. I think they've been allotted 15,000 tickets for the final, and I think the town itself has a population of 15,800. So there's there's a there's a very small band of people just left behind to, you know, man the local police station and... Uh, <laughs> man the bare essentials in the town because it's it feels like that the entire town is is heading towards Paris. Um so it'll be an absolute it'll be a fantastic, fantastic moment for, for the fans, for the players, for 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 every you know little team, quote unquote, every unfashionable team, every amateur team, every underdog, they'll all be backing Les Herbiers. Um but to put an element of realism on it, this as I say. This should be an absolute humiliation. PSG should be going out. It's a final. Make a statement. Don't underestimate the opposition. I think Thomas Mounier came out 
in the pre-match conference and has said, this needs to be over as a contest within 20 minutes. If I'm perfectly honest, I think that's probably being a little generous. Um, you know, we've seen what PSG can do against the very best in Ligue 1. They should be going out and they should be impressing. They should be you know, making a real statement. Of course, we know this probably won't happen, um, but that's that's how PSG should be approaching this. We need to go out and we need to be the bully. We need to be the team. Nobody wants us to win this, but we need to go out and say, you know, we don't care what who you are, what your background is. We don't care if you're on dog amateur team, you know, champions last season. We're going to come out and we're going to thrash you. Uh, that's the attitude PSG need to take. That's the attitude I hope they take. But of course, I, along with you know hundreds of thousands of other people, are really, really hoping that somehow, somewhere, there is a there is a universe where Les Herbiers pull off the impossible. Yeah, absolutely. And to add to that Neymar-esque stat for Les Herbiers, their, their annual budget is €2 million, Euros, which would pay Neymar's salary for 16 days. Um, that's the kind of level of incredible wealth <laughs> that, that you have between the two sides. It, I mean, it, it's almost unfathomable, Jeremy. And it's going to be, a, hopefully, a really interesting game because even if they do maybe keep it goalless for 20 minutes or so, maybe even have a chance. I know these are the things that people think, how could this be the, be possible? But there is, and the, the gulf between the sides just can't be underestimated. I mean, Paris Saint-Germain have been below Ligue 1, uh, sorry, Ligue 2, sorry, for one whole season in their history. Les Herbiers have been below Ligue 2 for 98 years. Um, it's, it's, it was, it, there's a chasm between these clubs that may never have played each other other than this. And that's why every neutral, everyone who can get to a TV tomorrow night, go watch this game and, and hope and pray that you might see the miracle, not just probably in football, even world football, but sports, if they can do something to even come close to pulling it off. Uh, it really is that big. I mean, I can't, I can't think of any possible um, comparison, you know, USA beating England in 1950, Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. I can't see anything comparable to what it would be if Les Herbiers beat PSG. And I'm trying so hard to think of any reason why I think it could happen. And I, I just can't. I mean, <laughs> PSG, the only thing that is such cliche, the only thing that can defeat PSG is PSG. Um, you know, certain players being a little bit too arrogant, thinking what they need to do is turn up. But, you know, the worst that can happen is the very, very worst. And even that is practically unfathomable is that, you know, Les LBS score a goal and then PSG reacts by scoring 10 or something. And, you know, it's a bit flippant to say that. But as Rich said, it should, in theory, be double figures. I don't think it will be. I think PSG will win very, very comfortably. But I do think at some point they'll go easy on them and, and you know, probably 3-0 or something like that will do them. Um, you know, maybe spend the rest of the match trying to, um, I don't know, engineer some some way for Pastore to score the most beautiful goal ever as a as a leaving present or something like that. But um, I just, you know, I'd love to even just be able to imagine a scenario where Lazio win it, but I just can't. I think it's going to be pretty straightforward for PSG. Let's just hope that Lesobia can make some kind of game here, even if it's just for a half, even maybe if they just 
grab a goal in maybe a 5-1 defeat or something like that. Just a little bit of something for them to savour because they've come so far and to, to not get anything out of the game will be a little bit of a shame. So it'd be nice if they can really put the gumption under those superstars that we all hope they might be able to do. We finish this evening with a little bit of a plane to Russia and it's an interesting one given the hap openings of the last sort of weekend or so because back on Thursday night in the other Europa League game that we didn't really have our eyes on, uh, Laurent Koscielny had a major injury that's going to see him out of the World Cup now. A big blow, at least psychologically, to the, the team. Uh, a big leader in the dressing room, it's to be believed him. Um, while maybe not necessarily a starter, certain someone who would have been on that plane who will need to be replaced, both from a leadership point of view and as a defensive replacement. And, well, who better than Adil Remy? He's been to big tournaments before and called up late in that time before. Again, Rich, he's not had the worst of seasons either. And the competition around him, you look at other players, maybe like Emerick uh, uh, Laporte, who's not really played for Manchester City over the past couple of months. You look at maybe Kurt Zuma, who's played in a Stoke City side that were relegated um, this weekend as well. Um, maybe he's the only real experienced option that, that Didier Deschamps has to turn to at this moment in time. There was until I read a piece earlier today and it suddenly reminded me that this player existed because I, to be honest, had forgotten about him slightly. And that's uh, that's Sarko. Um, obviously, he missed Euro 2016 for his, you know, his, his, his issues that ultimately were proven not to be an issue. And unfortunately for him, it, it led to him missing uh, a tournament on his on his home turf. He's also an experienced defender. Okay, maybe he's not playing for as high a profile team as Marseille, who've obviously had an, a, an excellent season. But if experience is what you're looking for, and certainly experience from a, a Deschamps um, trusted, entrusted player, Sarko is, is an alternative, I think, that could be considered. I think to look at Rami, yes, you've got experience. Yes, you've got a defender who has played a lot this season. I think the... I think it was him that I, um, I think it was Opta issued that no other player in the top five had played as many minutes this season as Rami, which I thought was quite a, a remarkable stat, really. But yes, he's played a lot of football. Um, he he's he's played in a pretty rickety, albeit it's it's just about done a job this season. Marseille defence. Um, I think experience is the only thing I think that I would make a case for him. Um, if I'm perfectly honest, but I can also make a case that there are other experienced players, and perhaps more tellingly, I can make an you know I could make a a case for um, is that experienced central defender actually needed when you consider that that Varane and Umtiti were going to be you know were going to be the central the central defensive partnership anyway, regardless of 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 Kachelny's injury. They were going to be the, the starting partnership. Varane has got experience now. Umtiti has had a, a season now playing, um, two seasons, sorry, playing at the, the highest level in, in, in Spain with Barcelona. Um, their partnership is a little bit work in progress, I think, still for France, but it's important to keep that balance, that, um, that consistency with your centre-back pairing. Um, and so I think on that argument... I would I would possibly be looking at some of the slightly less experienced, but you know, equally if not more talented defenders than Rami. So for me, I'll be looking at 
Laporte, I'd be looking at Clement Longley, who's had a you know a really good season, a breakthrough season, if you like, with with Sevilla. The one I think I would probably look at most of all, purely because of his his um, uh, the fact he can cover right back as well, is Kurt Zuma. I think I you know I, I speak to a lot of Stoke fans, my Stoke are the team that all my family support. Zuma has been one of their standout players this season. We know what an excellent player he is from his time with Saint Etienne. He obviously had that nasty injury there. Um, he's not not been able to make it uh, at Chelsea just yet, but has gone out on loan, has had plenty of game time, has played really well in, yes, a poor Stoke team, but he has produced standout performances. And I think for his versatility, I'd give him the edge. And this is the interesting one, really, Jez, because at the same time as all those players that have been mentioned and the, and the young players that are coming through the system that, that could be given a chance, uh, Rami's the one that, Deschamps has, has favoured in the past. He's someone he knows well enough. He obviously plays regularly for Marseille as well and, and has been relatively dependable this season, really. I know we give him a little bit of flack of him really not being a, a particularly consistent performer at times and, and he's prone to a mistake and, and isn't the quickest by any means, but some people would argue he's very lucky to be dating the woman he is at least anyway and that's adding to his uh, mystique at least anyway <laughs> um, but um he's a rela- in in Deschamps's mind he's probably the best option and maybe because of that he could be the one that that is the one that's called on to the plane to Russia whether that is the right decision or not um I mean it reminds me a lot of the the build-up to 2016 and there was that sort of massive uproar when Rami was picked ahead of him TT when um, I think it was Varane maybe um, pulled out, and um, you know Deschamps at the time justified it as being that he wanted a, a right-footed um, centre back, and but obviously it turned out that Ntiti did get his chance and and was fantastic. And I again I, I think, as Rich said, I think the only thing in Rami's favour is the experience and the fact that we know that Deschamps does like like that kind of thing. Um, I mean, you say, you say Deschamps favoured him. I, I don't obviously don't have any kind of stats on that to hand. But although he was he was picked for Euro 2016, I don't know if he's played that often under Deschamps. Um, I I mean, I, I just simply don't think he's a very good centre back, and I'm praying that he's not picked, or that if he is, that Varane and MTT get through the whole tournament playing well, no suspensions or anything like that, because I, I just I don't think he's even close to international standard and I think it would be a slap in the face to a hell of a lot of very talented centre-backs even if they're young even if um, they're inexperienced and even then I mean it depends what you mean by inexperienced maybe in terms of age or international experience but most of them are now playing at, at a top level um, week in week out whether you're talking about Longley or Zuma and I agree that Zuma has that extra advantage of the of versatility and you could say the same for Pavar who can play right back or centre back as well. There's so many players there who've got um, I think more ability and um, different kinds of experience um, and I have to admit Sacco completely sort of vanished from my radar as well but I think that's a fantastic call because I think by all accounts, Palace are a much better team. Obviously, Zaha at the front, but they're a much better team when they've got Sacco playing in defence as well. Um, he really was someone who was favoured by, by Deschamps. 
um, during the start of his his tenure as coach, um, was very unlucky not to, to miss out on Euro 2016. And yeah, although he hasn't kind of been mentioned in in recent times, um, yeah, I think I think that's a great call. And in terms of the sort of more long-standing experience and ability, I'd, I'd, I would feel more comfortable with him than with Rami. I think what was quite telling was that Rami was drafted in to Euro 2016 when Varane was injured and, and he played the group stages and I think he played the first knockout game as well. But then he, he picked up a ban. Um, Titi was then called in for the, I think it was the quarterfinal against Iceland and Rami never regained his place. Uh, you know, obviously Rami was available for the semi-final. Deschamps still went with them, Titi. Rami was available for the final against Portugal. Deschamps still went with them, Titi. I think that was quite telling. I think that that if if Deschamps, I think, was entrusting Rami as an experienced player, there was a realization that experience perhaps only counts for so much. That actually you need to look at the quality of the player. And if it if it so happens that the best, you know, your best performing centre back is a you know twenty year old with no international caps. So be it. You know, you've you've got to, you've got to play him at some point, um, and uh, yeah, I just think as as Jez says, I think you know, Rami has had a good season. I'm not going to say he's had a poor season, but I'm not going to say he's had a an absolutely stellar season. I, I just don't think that a little bit of experience. I, I mean, I mean, we say experience. He's got club experience, but I think he's only got thirty odd caps, which is is you know, it's. It's nothing particularly to you know huge to write home about in terms of experience at that level. So I just think with with what those youngsters can offer you in terms of their sheer quality now, and what they can gain from that to then be part of the French French team going forward, I think well why why wouldn't you? I don't know why you wouldn't pick someone someone of the caliber of the the younger players that we've mentioned. Mm. Yeah, it's, that seems like the sensible thing to do, but I, I have a feeling Deschamps will think... Ooh. Oh, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I'm completely with you. I, if, if it's me picking it or me trying to make a case, yeah, I'd make a case for the younger players. If I'm going with what I think Deschamps will do, yeah, I think Rami will probably get a call-up. Yeah, I, I think we're both we're all pretty unanimous on this one that um, we would try and pick a younger player and maybe think a little bit ahead with him not probably seeing any game time or very little game time unless injuries happened anyway. But knowing Deschamps and what he did last time, this uh, option occurred to him. He'll uh, pick the Rami option. Um, too much of our sugar in at least anyway and um, that's all we have time for this week just before we go we just like to send out our thoughts to the family and obviously to the man uh, sir alex ferguson who's currently in hospital there is reports this evening that he is up and talking which is absolutely fantastic news given the uh, brain hemorrhage he suffered back on saturday evening uh, we hope he makes a well as fast as he can and uh, as good as he can recovery from that surgery so get well soon uh boss um but that's like we say all we have time for my thanks to rich jez and all of you listening at home uh do join us for the preview show on thursday where we'll look back at the coupe de france final hopefully uh, an upset happened there it'd be nice to talk about if it does and the main show will be back at the same time same place next week abianto and goodbye